0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. My name is Ernest Wamboya, and I'm going to be taking you through today's episode. I know we've been out for three weeks. Uh, it's the first gap, I believe, that we've had in three years of recording this podcast. And the reason for that is because I contracted COVID-19, and I was out for a while, and uh, it affected Two of our first recordings because even after COVID 19, I was pretty ill. And uh, last week, uh, again, just uh, a sickness and being unwell affected our recording. So, for about a month, we've been unable to record. But uh, we are back right now. And so, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of this great platform. And we want to just thank you all for uh, listening in, uh, that you may hear God's word, that you may be blessed. So um, even after you hear this or even as you hear this, please uh, let your friends know, hey, the three week hiatus is over. We are back and we'd like to uh, commune with you guys. So today we're talking about dealing with lust, dealing with lust. And there is a traditional way in which Christian circles deal with lust. But today, I want us to just do an exegesis from a few scriptures in the Bible and just see what the scriptures say. You know, Um, I know many times we've got the practical tips that we have when dealing with lust. But we just want to look at what the scripture says in certain passages of scripture and ask ourselves, what does that mean? Now, uh, the reason we're talking about dealing with lust is because this is one area in the life of a believer that the enemy often uses to bring you down. the Apostle says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says the body was not made for sexual immorality, but the body was made for the glory of God. And today we're going to read from the book of Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to read the whole chapter and we'll see how many verses we can cover. And this is one of my favorite chapters uh, in the scriptures. I've memorized it word perfectly in the NIV 1984 version. So I'm going to quote it um, for you. And this is what it says. Proverbs chapter 5 from verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gull, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your best strength to others and your ears to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and your body are spent, you will say, How I hated discipline, how my heart spanned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Drink water from your own cistern, run in water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all his parts. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cause of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline led astray by his own great folly. And that's the word of the Lord. So when you read this passage um, in the NIV, um, I'm reading from the old NIV, the 1984 version, the, the topic here is warning against adultery. And the person writing this is King Solomon. Now Solomon is in a position to tell us authoritatively about lust because it conquered him. Solomon was overwhelmed by women. He loved women and he got so many women. He had 1,000 of them, 300 who are, I believe, his wives and 700 his concubines. I believe that's, that's it, if not the other way around. And Solomon was brought down by women. He, I mean, he, he, the beauty of women just intoxicated him and, and they led him astray. And they led him astray to the point that he turned away from worshipping the one true living God. Can you believe that? He had received such a rich legacy from his father, King David. Now, we know as well that King David had a woman problem. King David loved women. And King David got into trouble because he ended up sleeping with someone's wife. He saw her bathing. She was naked. He was attracted to her. He called her in and he slept with her. And this led David down a path of pain. And it eventually led down a path where the, the country got into a coup. And his son tried to dethrone him. And you can just see the devastating power of lust, the devastating uh, work of lust. And, and, and guys, it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. Um, Proverbs chapter 5 gives us wisdom, especially for those who are married. And it says, it begins by saying, and this particular passage is speaking specifically to the male gender, but uh, the insights are not limited to the male gender. Even women can learn from this. Solomon writes this passage, and now he's writing to his son, having made many mistakes like his father David. In fact, he made more sexual mistakes than his father David, arguably arguably, more sexual mistakes than his father David. You could argue that um, because of the many women. And now he's passing this message to his son, and it's clear that he doesn't want this iniquity that's been down two generations to affect the third generation. And so he wants to tell his son to do the opposite, to obey. Now we know that generational sin that goes down uh, goes up to the fourth generation, according to the second commandment in Exodus 20, verse four to six. And in that second commandment, we are told that you can cut off the generational sin how by obeying the Lord, by doing that which is right, so that you don't pass on the you don't pass on the iniquity that you received from generations back. So. What is the result? what does, what does God say concerning this? this is what this is what God says all right? God says um, my son or rather uh, Solomon says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom, listen well to my words of insight. Guys, it's interesting that the Lord begins by saying in order to overcome lust you need to listen. you need to pay attention. You need to have your ears inclined to wisdom. If you don't incline your ear to wisdom, if you don't pay attention to insight, lust will have an upper hand. We deal with lust by listening, listening to the generations that have gone ahead of us, listening to those who've made mistakes. Many people fall into lust because they don't listen. How many times have we had stories of young men and women who are so in love? And the girl says, You don't know him like I do, she's not listening. How many times do you hear stories of young men who say, Oh, but but she's the one. He's not listening. The Bible is calling us in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1 to listen. Listen. Listen to who? Listen to those who've gone ahead of you. Listen to those with experience. Listen to teachers. Listen to counselors. Listen to the word of God. There's some mistakes that we make simply because we do not listen. There's some mistakes that we make um, simply because we do not pay attention to. Um, we do not pay attention to what has been said before. We disdain it. And guys, someone once said, "You've got two years and you've got one mouth. One mouth to speak less and two years to listen more." there's a beauty in listening because listening can save you eons of trouble listening can save you time the number of times that people say why didn't i listen and we'll see that much later in this same chapter god is calling us to listen do you want to overcome last listen i ran a pornography addiction recovery program for men and many a times, um, when men come, uh, you see them broken, you see them willing, you see them, uh, you see, you see them uh, ready to learn. But one of the problems that occurs with a few men, not, not many of them or not most of them, but just a few of them, is not listening. Tell them, all right, now listen, this is what happened. But they are so consumed in what they are going through that they don't pay attention to what is happening presently if you're consumed with the past and you're consumed with what will happen in the future, you won't have the knack to listen now. And it's funny that throughout the book of Proverbs, listening seems to be a very key key weapon to use against sin. If you read Proverbs 4, it says, Listen, my son, verse 1. It says, Listen, verse 10 of Proverbs 4. It says, uh, "It says, listen, pay attention." Verse twenty. If you read other portions of Scripture, you know, it says, uh, "My son, pay attention, listen, listen." There's wisdom in listening, and then verse two. It says, "This is why you need to listen, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge." that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. What is discretion? Discretion, if you look at the dictionary, you'll find two meanings. And this particular meaning here that the author is giving us, maintaining discretion, is the freedom to exercise your willpower. The the freedom to exercise your will. Okay. The freedom to have willpower. To have your willpower unrestrained. That is discretion. The freedom to make choices without hindrance. The freedom to make a move without anyone prohibiting you. Discretion. One of the reasons why you need to listen is because, guys, um, whoever does not have freedom over their will is a slave. When your will dictates you, dictates what you should do when you should do it how you should do it you're a slave you are a slave the bible is saying that when you listen you maintain discretion last main one of last main goals goals is to steal your willpower that's why people are addicted to that's why massage parlors are favorite places for many married men. That's why uh, pornography is a favorite place for many people. That's why uh, sensual movies rated 18 and above. And believe me, that rate, that 18 rating is done by a man. In the eyes of God, we are all children. We should go for the child's rating. It's not for you. That's why we are addicted to them. That's why masturbation is an addiction. That's why premarital sex can be addictive. And when it is addictive and you can't stop, you have lost the freedom to make a choice. You have lost the freedom to say no. You need to listen that you may maintain discretion and then that your lips may preserve knowledge. It seems as if lust plunders truth, it seems as if lust comes into your bands where you've stored truth. And it plunders you. It pillages you. It breaks through your bonds, and it takes away the knowledge of the truth. You want to maintain knowledge. You want to preserve knowledge. Now, we know this is true because Jesus taught that when people receive spiritual truth and people hear the truth, there are two ways in which they can respond to that truth. There are people who when they hear spiritual truth, the Bible describes their heart like a wayside where the seed is sown and the seed is the word of God and it falls on the wayside and it does not germinate because the birds come on the wayside and they eat it up. And then there are some hearts that are like the thorny soil and the thorns represent the cares and the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. That's what Jesus taught. And the seed is sown, but it is choked up by worldliness, carnality, the love of money. And then there are some hearts that are like the rocky soil that receive the seed of God, the seed which is the word of God. They, they blossom, they, they hear the word with excitement. They go like, oh, wow, what a deep word, what a marvelous word. But then they fall away when persecution comes. They lack depth. And then there's the seed that fell from the fertile soil. And the fertile soil represents the humble heart, the contrite heart, the teachable heart that turns to the truth. And it listens and it does exactly what it's told, and that seed produces a harvest tenfold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold to the glory of your name. I mean, if a seed doubles, that is a hundred percent multiplication. If it's tenfold, we're talking about we're talking about a thousand percent. So imagine a hundredfold, you're talking about ten thousand percent fruitfulness. Guys, such fruitfulness is possible if we listen. But here we are told that your lips will preserve knowledge if you listen. But if you don't, they won't preserve knowledge. I believe the heart that has been talked about here is the first heart, the wayside, where the seed is planted and the birds eat it up. Satan takes away the truth that is invested in us. He does not want that truth to settle because if a seed settles in soil long enough under the right conditions, it will germinate and bear fruit. God wants the believer to bear fruit. And for that, he needs the word of God to sit still in your heart. He needs the word of God to settle. And he needs the right conditions, just like a seed needs the right conditions. It needs air. It needs oxygen. It needs soil, you know. It needs a medium, you know, and it needs, and and the soil provides some sort of warmth, and it needs water. Just as a seed needs those three things in order for it to grow, so does the believer in their heart need prayer, the word, and fellowship. Three things to ensure that the word of God is settled and germinates in our heart and bears fruit. Don't lose the knowledge of land. Don't let Satan pillage the treasuries of the truth stored inside of you. Don't let demons ravage your barns and your storehouses. Don't let unclean spirits torment you and ransack your stores. Keep your storehouses safe. Guard your heart. Listen. Then he goes on to verse 3 by saying... <coughs> For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Just look at that. The lips of an adulteress drip honey. Wow, such quite an imagery. Just think about a woman's lips dripping honey. I mean, that image alone can evoke sexual desire. And the lips are a sexual part, a sexual organ. The lips are used for kissing. The lips are intimate. So you can imagine lips dripping with honey. Not only are they sensual, but they are sweet. And what is the Bible doing here? The Bible is painting the reality of lust. The Bible is painting a picture of the reality of lustful content. It's saying, hey, this is the reality. Lust has a sweetness to it. When that woman comes to your office and she's dressed to kill. And she's dressed in a very, very carnal way, in a very lustful way. It's appealing. It's good to look at you. Look at you like, wow, she looks great. When that gentleman is, you know, trying to get you into bed with him and he's seducing you. He's, you know, he's he's using all these lines, those lines that he uses, those words he uses, they're appealing. They they sound so good. And the Bible is not shy to talk about the reality of lust. One of the reasons pornography is so powerful is because it uses the beauty of the human body to draw people in. It uses sexual organs that are meant for the marriage, but that are meant for privacy. It publicizes them and it draws you in. And the Bible is saying, hey, let's, let's talk the reality concerning lust. Lust is luscious. Last is attractive. Last looks good. Mm. People don't fall into lust because they don't feel any attraction towards it, but rather the opposite because they do feel an attraction towards it. Sensual entertainment. They call it eye candy. You know? Eye candy when you see that person dress so good. And it's pleasing to the eye. It's pleasing to, to, to you. And the Bible is saying, guys, this is the reality. The lips of an adulteress drip honey. The woman who's not your wife is attractive. The husband, the man who's not your husband is attractive. Illicit sex is attractive. The prostitutes who stand on the streets, they do look attractive. But the Bible does not just end there and say, oh wow, they're attractive, they're amazing, you should go try and get some. No, it's, it's a warning. Don't go get some. Why? Verse 3 goes on. Or before we get to verse 4, sorry, verse 4 is a warning. But before it goes to verse 4, it even goes on to say her speech is smoother than oil. So not only is she visually attractive, but even she sounds attractive. Her speech is smoother than oil. She appeals not only to your eyes, but also to your ears. Like the example I gave for the gentleman who whispers these things to this lady. He tells you, oh, baby, you're the best. What is he doing? He's appealing to your ears. So lust is not only powerful because of its visual appeal, it's also appealing because of its audible appeal. It's got audible appeal to it. And the combination of visual appeal and and audible appeal is so powerful, it can drag the soul in a direction that God does not desire. And God tells you, this is the reality, verse 3. The lips are dripping with honey, the speech is smoother than oil. It's almost irresistible, it sounds irresistible. I don't know if you've been in a situation where you're so tempted with lust and it just seems so irresistible. It says you must have it now. That's what lust does. But then the warning verse four is to make us remember that they appeal visually, they appeal audibly may be great. However, in the end she is bitter as girl. Now, what is girl? All right. Bitter as gall. Gall. I'm gonna give you the definition from the dictionary so that I can read it directly. Um, is a digestive juice <laughs> secreted by the liver and is stored in the gall bladder, and it helps in the digestion of fats. It's a very bitter digestive juice. When it comes up to your mouth, it tastes yek. And girl is such a bitter juice in your body that it is even used to describe in the dictionary a feeling of deep, bitter anger and ill will. This is what the Bible is telling us. Last may have visual appeal, audible appeal. That lady may look so good. That gentleman may look so handsome. But the Bible says, don't just look at the beginning. Last has got investments that have an end. And you must look at the end of your investment before you make a proposal to get into relationship with what lust is offering. In the end, she's bitter as a girl. That means the result of lust when it's done with you is bitterness, anger, and ill will. And boy, do many people go through that. Boy, do many people get bitter and say, Man! That lady looked once so attractive, but right now all that attractiveness is out the window. That gentleman looked like Prince Charming, now all of it is out the window. It doesn't matter how many of the six packs he puts on, you're just like, no, it's all ugly right now. It doesn't matter how many words he said to me, it's all ugly right now. It doesn't matter if that lady had a flamboyant body, she had the body to dress to kill, now that body just looks like nothing but trash. Why? Because of the bitterness out of the pain of lust. Anger, ill will, the frustration that comes to the repercussions of sin are huge. And the Bible says, in the end, she's beat as girl. Not only is she beat as girl, she's sharp as a double-edged sword. Sharp as a double-edged sword. Now, it's interesting. The only other part in scripture that I remember where something is described as a double-edged sword is the word of God in Hebrews 4.12. We're told the word of God is living and active, sharp as a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the separation of joints and marrow, soul and spirit, to the judging of the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is a double-edged sword. It cuts both sides, teaches, corrects, rebukes, encourages. But we're told, lust is also like a double-edged sword. So guys, it's a sword fight. <laughs> are you going to go with the word of God or are you going to go with what lust says? It's a sword fight. And there are two double-edged swords here. And one of the double-edged swords is out to bring bitterness and ill will. It cuts you with pleasure on one side, but kills you on the other side. God's word may wound your ego on one side, but it will heal you on the other side. The first slice of lust is pleasure. The second slice of lust is death. Double-edged. The first slice of the word of God. Is painful to the heart. And the second slice is healing and restorative. Last is a double edged sword. And we've been told not only is last a double edged sword, the feet of last go down to death. The inevitable response of last is death. Think about it. When last checks in, death is bathed. What happens when a boyfriend and girlfriend in campus get pregnant they don't keep that baby what's the option death kill the baby what happens when a man catches his wife cheating on him what does he do he gets angry violent he resorts to murder death what happens when people who are in affairs realize they're about to expose they pay others to end those who have got those who've got the evidence what's that death what happens to people who are so visionary and passionate and then they got into pornography and masturbation their visions die death Last always brings about death Last carries death What happens when you engage in multiple sexual practices and you attract STDs What's that Cut short to your lifespan death Last Courts death. Last loves death. And you've been told her feet go down to the death. Her steps did straight to the grave. Now look at that. Straight to the grave. There's no there's no stopover anywhere. They go straight. There's no detour. Last <laughs> does not say, hey, let's just stop by here for a while. Let's stop by common sense and think this through. Let's stop by reason. Let's stop by that town right there. And fill up with common sense and fill up with wisdom. No, it says we go straight. There's no stopping. There's no turning. There's no detour. We go straight to the grave, death. Guys, this is how we deal with lust. We must know what it's handing over to us. She gives no thought to the way of life, verse 6. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Not only does lust caught death, lust is laced with ignorance. She gives no thought to the way of life. Devoid of thinking. Her parts are crooked, but she knows it not. Last loves the ignorant. Last loves those who are ignorant of the truth. Those who blindly say, oh, you know what? Um, homosexuals are born that way. That's ignorance. People who say, you know what, you know, um, these sexual desires are normal, they're natural. Let's just continue, let's let's just give kids condoms. After all, they'll have sex anyway. That's ignorance. That's not true. Last thrives there. Oh, you know what? Um, you know, um, it's 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 penetration that's really the sin. Uh, we can do anything else apart from penetrative sex. That's ignorance. The Bible calls ignorance the enemy to God's people and it brings people to perish if you read Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Last is laced with ignorance. And if you want to stand, you have to be one who is not naive but one who is filled with the knowledge of the truth, the truth of God's word. But the question is, will we listen? Ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue with our series on Proverbs chapter 5. Leave your comment, leave your like, let us know what you think. Share this with a friend. Join us next week as we continue the series on Proverbs chapter five, dealing with lust. My name is Anes Wamboye. This is the Relationship Center podcast for, the, for more great podcasts rather that will build your faith and inspire you. Please head over to www.edify.app that is E-D-I-F-I dot or you could search for the Edify app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. We'll see you next time.